This is Brian Wampler with another episode of the Chasing Tone Podcast, the podcast about guitars, amps, effects, as well as a healthy dose of interesting off-topic discussions. Joining me today back again is Blake Weiland from the Guitar Centered Podcast called The Tone Mob and Richard Oliver, Wampler's own quote-unquote man of many hats, longtime tone chaser, and oftentimes the voice of the words that you read on our social media. Hey guys, how's this going? Good. It's going. Good. So, uh, okay, so last week, Blake had this fantastic ghost story that he couldn't remember because he sucks. That's and, true. And uh, this, this <laughs> is, so this is a continuation from two episodes ago <laughs> that he couldn't remember then, but he does remember now. I That's do remember now. fantastic intro, I know. You're just dying to hear it. It better be good, Blake. Uh, and it is, it is very guitar related, and it's, it's less of a ghost story uh, that I realized than just a ghost related thing, so... I've talked about this before in various places on the internet, so some people may have heard this story before, but let me tell the tale anyway. So there's a place in Oregon called the Enchanted Forest, and it is a theme park. Uh, there, it, A lot of it revolves around, like, classic fairy tales and storybook things like Pinocchio and, you know, Hansel and Gretel and all that stuff. And it's a fun time, a lot of nostalgia for... Uh, Oregonians, because everybody went there as a kid, you know, and then you go back in this, as an adult and you get the warm and fuzzies, even though it's kind of a cheesy place. But I love it. We go there every year for my birthday uh, and take the kids, and it's a good time. But they they have this rumor that they're haunted, that it's, it's a haunted theme park. Hmm. Now, I've never, I've been there many, many times. I've never experienced anything remotely scary uh, outside of some of the guests. Uh, but uh, they they did an episode of Ghost Hunters there. And my family and I, of course, like, okay, we got to watch the Enchanted Forest Ghost Hunters, of course. And they have a ride called the Challenge of Mondor that I believe was opened in 2006. It's like their newest attraction. And it's a ride where you go through, for those that have been to Disneyland and been on like the Toy Story rides where you sh- do shooting games, like you shoot things Maybe. from your little cart as you roll around. Uh, you you shoot at these monsters with laser guns, basically, as you're going through. And it's kind of spooky and kind of whatever. Well, the Ghost Hunters team went in there. And they had all their ghost-detecting equipment. And they were, oh, no, we've got something over here. Oh, no, we've got something over here. No, did you feel that? Oh, oh, there's something. You know, and they're freaking out, right? Right. And then uh, me and my family are kind of laughing. It's like, we've been in there a million times. It's, it's just, it, it's nonsense, right? And then all of a sudden, I see something on the screen. They go to their some of their advanced ghost detection equipment, and they zip <laughs> on over to the screen. And I'm like, Dad, wait, pause that. Pause that. And he, he does. And they've got the advanced ghost detection software that you boys are probably very familiar with called Amplitube pulled up on the screen. <laughs> I was like... What are they doing detecting ghosts with Amplitude? I didn't know that was a feature that that thing had. Sometimes you just need a good martial tone, you know. I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they you increase the gain to detect the feedback from the ghosts. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it was definitely Amplitude. It was. This isn't like I think that's Amplitude. It was like Amplitude right on the screen. <laughs> and, and you mocked us when they said they were going to inject us with uh, metal zones. It's all part of the same conspiracy, surely. <laughs> That's oh, you're, true. You're probably right. It all right. makes sense now. Now it adds up, right? But question for you on physics. Ghosts can sort of phase in and out of objects, right? They walk through walls. So if a ghost is on a fairground ride or a train ride, does the train move and the ghost stay stationary? Or does the ghost come with it? Or does it have to propel itself to pretend it's coming with it? I, maybe that's the key. Maybe as long as you're in the train ride, you're safe. Because I've never been out of the train ride. And they were walking around out of the train. So maybe you need to be in the little trolley car in order to be safe from the ghosts. They can't get you, surely. Yeah. Especially when you're shooting with laser guns. It's an, another no problem fixed you. by the Ghostbusters. <laughs> right. The, the laser guns fix everything in that yes. situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And amplitude, <laughs> and amplitude. Yeah, that's that's how most ghost busting companies. That's what they use is amplitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I've heard the cutting edge ones will take a Kemper unit mm-hmm. and take it on site. You know, just took 
hook the mics up to that. You know, I'm a I'm a more old school ghost hunter. I like to use uh, my real tube amps and effects to try to <laughs> detect the spirits. I lug a four by twelve around. Yeah, it's, it's, uh-huh. yeah. It, it gets you a much more authentic and kind of throaty type of ghost. The ones with the sheets over their heads, you only get those with with a 4 by 12 (laughs) The ones with the sheets over their heads are the ones whenever you're using like Line 6 spiders from 2017 or whatever. They're the scary ghosts, right? They're they're the banshees that shriek. (laughs) They definitely shriek. So we've definitely started on topic again. That's really good, Brian. Nice work. (laughs) (laughs) You like that. I mean, some uh, things have been happening in the world of guitars in in, in the last uh, um, seven days since we sat down last. Um, most notably, the releases uh, for, well, I guess you could say for the virtual NAM. Um, but, uh, yeah, I saw the, um, the interesting guitar from Paul Reed Smith that everyone's uh, talking about, the new Silver Sky in Frost Ice. You guys saw that? It is pretty. It's a very nice looking color. I'm still not a fan of it, but uh, I like the color. Have you played one yet? Nope. What about you? Blake? Oh, actually, did did I play one? I may. I'm trying to think. I may have played Alex's for a minute, maybe. I don't remember. No, that was his Telecaster. Um, no, I don't think I have played one actually. Hmm. Hmm. What about um, what about you, Blake? Have you tried one? Uh, not the Silver Sky, no. Mm-hmm. I I have only seen them from afar, and you know I'm not the biggest you know Strat guy in the world, but the fact that like some Strat people don't like them makes me want to play them more because that's just the kind of antagonist I am. So a lot of people I know say they're basically the best Strat style guitars they've ever played, and I am curious to try one, but not for the price that I think this professionist professional scalper was selling them for uh i say professional he, he'd resold it at a markup of uh about 300 percent, i think or at least that's what he was listing yeah that's for. crazy um and yeah he didn't even offer free delivery it was a hundred pound for delivery I, I thought that was rather cheeky of him um <laughs> but yeah. all that money all that money is expensive and it's expensive whenever you start carrying guitars are worth that much money <laughs> And uh, well, you got to take care of it. Money is heavy; requires requires extra help. So yeah, now that that definitely caught my eye and uh, made for a, an entertaining morning's post on the Tone Group. Um, and then I saw the new Boss pedal boards as well. Have you seen those, Bry? I did. I mean, they had they had pedal boards a few years ago, and I kind of right. honestly, I kind of felt the same way. I'm like, eh, they're all right, they're okay, I suppose. But the suitcase just, one's kind of cool. The one with the wheels, I'd kind of like yeah. it. I just think for $400, pounds, whatever it is, it's a little too much for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. It just doesn't appeal to me personally. It's just not something I would be into. We'll be right back. Is real music dying? What even is real music and who are we to judge that? Well, my father is a lifelong musician, and together we've been making music for over a decade. In our new podcast, we dare to ask the urgent, the weird, and the deep questions. And we have a lot of wild stories to tell. No matter what genres you enjoy, whether you're a musician, a producer, or a listener, we invite you to discover unconventional perspectives on music. So tune in, and go follow Mad Makings of Music wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, they they haven't made one wide enough for all your pedals for a start. That's right. So. They need one about the size of a huge dining room table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I thought it was cool. I like the one with the uh, the rolling case. You know, for certain applications, right. that can definitely come in handy, especially like because it bundles it all into one relatively affordable package. If you are somebody that needs a big old beefy flight case like that for your board anyway, and that works for you, then. I think that's really a pretty pretty cool option. So I like that. As the other ones, though, I'm like, ah, oh, they're cool. I don't know that we they need don't them seem to have evolved much, but um... exactly. Well, at some point, like 
you know, a board is a board and it can only, it can only evolve so much, you know, there's at at some point you just need something to put your pedals on. Yeah. That's kind of safe. That's kind of the thing with me. Like pedal boards in general just don't excite me. I, I've, I don't ever recall buying a pedal board and thinking, I can't wait to get this new pedal board. It's just all, it's like buying underwear. I feel personally attacked. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's, the, I'm just saying that with me personally, I, it's just not a, it's not an exciting purchase. You know, it's like buying WD-40. It's just Maybe it's you gotta, time gotta, to change gotta, that and make it an exciting purchase. I understand your good lady wife has a surplus amount of glitter we could oh, use. That's oh, that's true. Yes. We could make one, we could epoxy one, put a bunch of glitter in it. And oh yeah, it'll be fantastic. By the way, I was trying to talk her out of um, taking all the smoke detectors down and making those glitter yeah yeah we're not what? doing that i'm like what? no we enough glitter amanda please enough that avoids glitter. the warranty avoids <laughs> the warranty you don't want to do that smoke detectors or sprinklers because i'm imagining a sprinkler system that just sprinkles glitter i know that's not going to work Brian. we're also painting our doors and um because they're stained right now but apparently we're doing this whole black white thing because i guess that's what you do right now um and while discussing this last night, I, I I clarified. I said just to make sure, I'm painting these doors, but you're not inferring that we're going to like glitter these doors, right? I can see you wanting to do that. <laughs> so, um, so no, we are not glittering the doors either. But it was a thought. It was a thought. You know. Good. <laughs> so I've got so, a question for you then, Blake. Um, okay. What's the most strings you've ever owned on a single instrument? The and, most uh, strings? Yeah, this came from, we were chatting to a, a colleague of ours, Kyle, shout out to Kyle, uh, and he wants a harp guitar. Um, and, and I told a story, which I'll tell in a minute, but um, first I wanted to find out whether you've ever owned anything super exotic with a ridiculous number of strings. No, I think the craziest thing I've played is your classic, your classic 12 string, and then the... Uh, the the guitar that I currently own that has the most amount of strings is just a seven string, so it's not that crazy. So not even an eight string then. Hmm. Not even. Po- I can barely Blake's gent. A poser. Yeah, I can barely even <laughs> gent. What a poser. <laughs> I mean, I'm very much of the opinion I really haven't mastered six strings yet. So add, adding one or two more, forget about it. <laughs> you know, but, uh, that used to be my opinion, and I still have not mastered six strings. But you know, we think of seven and eights as being like gent machines and what i've found with my seven string is it actually is a really fun tool to use for um just like more ambient things and just getting into a a range of sounds that i wouldn't otherwise have access to while still having the standard tune side just gives me that extra beef that i i can get some weird droney notes and uh i've I've come to really enjoy the seven string i'd like to try an eight I, I definitely, I definitely have to give it a go at some point. I'm, I'm still worried that it's, it's one string too many for me. But yeah, uh, what about you, Bri? Have you got any uh, multi-stringed the, uh, beasts? The fretboard screw me up. I remember the first time I played one. I was doing. I was in. Uh, where was that at? Some city in Indiana. I was doing t- a talk at a high school about. It was a music class, and I was talking to them about guitar gear. And um, one of the students there had, I think it was an eight string. Well, maybe it was a seven string. It's been a few years ago. And, um, you know, I, I, I picked it up to play it. I had never played one before. It completely threw me off because I'm still used to playing like open chord stuff. It was, as you know, if you play a G with a seven string, it's different. You got an extra B string at the bottom, right? Or, you know, an extra lower string. And uh, it just completely threw me off. I felt like I felt like it was my first day of playing guitar at that point. So since then, I mean, I've gotten used to it, but I have to think about it when I play it. And that's, it's not like a regular guitar where I can just kind of flow and just noodle around. I have to, it's like homework. Right. It, it's amazing how much small changes can make. Uh, I had a friend who had an acoustic guitar and uh, they didn't have any fret dots on it, so they added their own. But they added them at um, two fret intervals starting at fret two. Oops. So everything was slightly off. And <laughs> if I didn't look at the guitar and tried that to play be... something, yeah, I could play it. 
the minute my eyes went to the fretboard, my fingers just went everywhere. That like, would be... Nope. And it's amazing <laughs> that that just simple little change can absolutely throw you off. Um, you know, respect for inventing your own methodology right. of noting guitar, but yeah, right. it did not work for me at all. <laughs> I will say uh, this guitar I have called an Epiphone. Love this guitar, by the way. <laughs> no, no, if you guys know this or not. But it does not have that problem. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Did you get an Epiphone? Did I miss something? <laughs> I, did, I did get an Epiphone. A 335, actually. Wow. Oh, oh. Mm. You mm-hmm. did? Mm-hmm. When did you get an Epiphone? Blake, did you stop watching my YouTube channel? <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm working I on I, this EP. It's all I can think about right now is trying to make weirdo ambient music. I, I know it's n- new news to you, Blake. I mean, we've only talked – we've talked about this for like six episodes now, but that's fine. It's fine. <laughs> this I mean, episode I'm, brought to you by Epiphone. <laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> they're not getting the hints yet, are they, Bri? They're not. I mean, you know, if you got some extra money to throw around or extra guitars that just need cleared out of inventory, mm-hmm. right here. I'm your guy. I'm your guy. We'll, um, we'll, we'll talk about the uh, the Gibson American releases in a second, but yeah, the, I was gonna, uh, I was gonna uh, say Gibson just announced like a more affordable line, and I'm like, isn't that Epiphone? Uh, <laughs> I've got an answer to you for that. Before we get there, I'm gonna just mention the one story where the multi-stringed instrument comes in. Sure. When when I was uh, 14, 15, and had just started playing the guitar, I went out to India. I've got family out there, uh, and. Uh, I managed to bring back a sitar thinking, yeah, it's got <laughs> strings, it's shaped like a guitar, what could go wrong? So it eventually got shipped across to, to England after being tested for drugs and everything else. I got it and it, it was slightly out of tune. So I thought, right, I'll tune it up. How do you tune a sitar then? And of course, 1992, no internet, not really the sort of thing that my local library carried. So I basically had 52 out-of-tune strings on one instrument that only ever got used for comedy versions of Smoke on the Water with a drone sound. <laughs> and, I mean, I, 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 I did go to the guitar shop. Uh, I said, guys, have you got any idea how to tune uh, a sitar? They were like, maybe you should try the Indian restaurant. I sort of like looked at them. I was like, yeah, thanks, guys. So that yeah. was a disaster. Um, thanks, but no. Yeah, ridiculous instrument, beautiful sound, uh, if you can tune it. <laughs> but yeah, I would not um, know where to start there. I mean, if... Uh, I, where, I Evidently, I, I mean, didn't, so... What does one... I, mean, I guess the only thing you really do is go to a bookstore and see if you could order a book about sitars. Exactly. I mean, it's like, you know, the difference between being an IT consultant in 1995 and, and now... In 1995, if there was something wrong with a machine, if you didn't know about it, you had to go and find a book, read about it, become an expert. Now you Google it from your phone. So everyone's an IT consultant, right? But yeah. That and life coaches. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't give away your new business. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We're audio life coaching. Anyways. Segwaying smoothly again to (laughs) the Gibson releases. So so speaking of Gibson, by the way. (laughs) But look, surely these new Gibsons are the equivalent of the um, Fender Player series to regular Gibsons, whereas Squire and Epiphone are still neck and neck. Isn't that the play here? Uh, I I think that's the move. I think Squire had to come up in recent years to Epiphone standards. Epiphone's always been pretty good. The new ones are even better. Um but I think Squires, as we've talked about, the, the newest Squires, ever since maybe around when the J. Mascus Jazz Master came out, have been really, really good. And uh, I think for a while, Squire was definitely viewed, at least by me, like somewhat under Epiphone. And now I would say they're neck and neck. Yeah. That's just that's just my two cents. Could be. I mean, I, I, I have to be honest, I'm looking at the Firebird Zero from Gibson. Nice try, but I still would buy the Epiphone um, Explorer first. You know, I just. I agree. It, I just, it looks it just, much nicer. I do. I am a sucker for the Gibson on the headstock. I'm not going to say that I'm immune yeah, to that. Yeah, I agree. I was thinking about that last night when I was looking at Epiphone on my headstock. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm a, I guess I'm just a little, I don't know materialistic i suppose because i kind of would feel better if it did say gibson in a weird stupid way you know 
Yeah, and why is that? Like, it, should, I, it shouldn't it matter. Should, it shouldn't matter at all. Like, it's no, just like it's, this programming, this this marketing engine from Gibson. I don't like that. Stop that. You know? Don't put that in my it. head. They did it. They it's did Jimmy it. Jimmy Page's it, fault. It's Jimmy Page's fault. <laughs> Him and that damn Zeppelin band. Uh, I mean, I, I think, and, you know, a number of people have influenced me uh, to, to go here, but I've definitely started becoming much more pragmatic and practical about my guitars, not worrying about name at all, really. I probably wouldn't go and buy a £150 guitar, regardless of the name, because it, it probably would be pretty basic. But, you know, I've I've got a PRS that I just don't love, and... I, I find it hard to love the sound of PRS guitars anymore. There was a moment where they did it for me, but but not anymore. And I find myself looking at more and more slightly offbeat brands and thinking I might give it a go. Um, as I said, I bought that Duesenberg, which is not an offbeat brand, but it's certainly not you know, one of the big five or whatever. Uh, and it's a fantastic guitar. I love it. So... I'm all for exploring brands. I'm, I, your, your uh, Epiphone journey. Did we mention you had one? Um, that's definitely inspired <laughs> me to check some out, Brian. So I'm not sure if you heard, but I bought a new Epiphone. <laughs> <laughs> How much coffee have you had tonight? Oh, you did I brew. Just, you did I brew did. one before this. It's, uh, it's just empty now. Just oh boy, here we go. It's now the fun's about to begin. Right. So if you hear a little bit more uh, action in my voice, that would be the caffeine kicking in. So Richard, I wanted to ask you about something um, because this this company is from your world. You know, we're used to talking about things from the States uh, and it was brought to my attention by the boys on the Guitar Nerds podcast. And now I'm in talks with uh, possibly getting a little something to try out from them. And I'm really excited. But there's a company called Fidelity Guitars over there in the UK that, you know, speaking of funky and offbeat, like their whole vibe is sort of like, you know, that old school vintage, like Italian and Japanese guitar look, but, you know, not garbage. <laughs> Because those often look cool and are unplayable. And these are sort of in that vein with a really, really funky looking. But they uh, they actually play really nicely from what I hear. And I'm, I'm really excited to potentially check one out here in the next few months. But uh, yeah, they're, they're over there in the UK. And they seem to be doing a, a really good job with, the, with everything they build. And um, they're starting to become, you know... I'm, every time I look at the at the double standard in particular, I'm like, ooh, hmm, that's weird, but I really like it. I mean, I hands up had never heard of them before you mentioned them, um, which I feel ashamed of now I've seen them because they have got some really nice looking shapes here for for non standard shapes. Um, I've got a, a Gordon Smith Telecaster, and Gordon Smith's probably the longest running uk manufacturer of electric guitars and it feels good to play something english uh that, that's actually something american um and, <laughs> and, and it, it's well made you know like any guitar company you're gonna get good ones and bad ones but these look fantastic they're based up in uh in cambridgeshire which is near where i used to live but they're as you say they've kind of got that italian 70s vibe about them yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm probably not so keen on their Strat and Tele clones because they are that. But that double standard, that's got something going for it, especially with the uh, TV Jones style pickups on it as well. That looks and that's nice. exactly what I've been talking to to Matt about. I was like, I don't have anything with Filtertrons, and that looks really nice in that guitar. Let's maybe, maybe yeah. we'll give that a try. So. We're, well, we're going someone, back and forth about it. I'm excited to to potentially get to strum one. So if you need someone to get hold of one for you and ship it over, I only charge uh, like about fifty percent commission. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it will take four or five weeks longer than regular shipping, mm-hmm. and you will receive it in a slightly uh, relict condition, possibly. Okay. Oh well, I mean, I don't see how I could say no to that. Exactly. How does somebody turn that down? <laughs> No, that's, so that's was, a nice find. So I was thinking, like you guys know how I've I, I've love 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 my Whitfield Telecasters. Who would be who would be a similar brand along the three thirty five route? I'm not looking. 
I'm looking strictly at the 335, not um, not anything with the uh, Filtertron type pickups or like not Gretchy. Yeah, not really Gretchy as much as 335. You're talking like more of a budget brand or mm, no, no something something higher end. Like what would be the higher end equivalents to that? I was trying to think because as soon as you as soon as you said that, I know that Pure, Pure Salem Guitars out of Florida has a 335 that I believe is um, no F-holes, if I remember correctly. It's not called a 335, obviously, right. but it's right, definitely yeah. that that shape. Um, they, but they're, I would say that they're more of a they're, – they're like a, maybe a slight step up. Um, they they source things from that same Korean factory that a lot of people use. But uh, Oh, so they're not hand-built in. Elevation, they call that model, by the way. Yeah, so I've had I had a Pure Salem. I can't remember what they called. It. I think they called their Cherry Bomb. It's like an Explorer with a German carve. Um, I had one here for about a year, and I really, really liked it a lot. I was actually kind of surprised at how much I did like it. It was a really cool guitar. I don't know who's doing their web development, but they, they might. need to call Richard. They, they, might, they might want to call Richard. There's there's some <laughs> website work that needs to be done here. Um, All over it. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, a good idea. Just it could be implemented better. And I'm being critical here, of course. But um, okay, so I'm looking at the elevation. It's 945 bucks. I've never played one. I kind of like the f holes though. Surely that makes a difference, doesn't it? Like, let's see, see, I'm actually detailing my ignorance in this area. I am completely stupid in this area. But that's um, that's the thing about guitars. It's the gift that keeps on giving. You've got a whole new area to nerd out in for at least. At least six weeks now. Bye. That's right. That's absolutely right. <laughs> right. So F holes versus diamond holes and the, <laughs> the, the sound dynamics therein. Oh, there's a, that's there's a, good a blog point. in that. I hadn't even thought of that. You. That's a great point. Yeah. I, I love the diamond holes aesthetically. Right. I'm such a big fan. I love them. Hmm. The Trini Lopez, I think, was the first model that did that, I believe. And then uh, the, the Dave Grohl DG335 probably was the next most famous, but he took it you know, directly from a Trini Lopez. That's what yeah. he was making. And I was 100% on the Dave Grohl, which which I'm sure is, you know, still where Brian thinks he's going to be once his hair grows out a little bit longer, right? Brian? I love Dave Grohl, man. <laughs> yeah, I knew I, he's, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit of a nerd fan. Um, um, which actually, although Dave Grohl wasn't involved, I saw a, um, I saw my first virtual concert um, uh, a week ago and a bit ago mm -hmm. which was uh, uh don't laugh at me it was um celebrating david bowie concert so it was all of the collaborators that had worked with him over the years all singing his songs and it was weird i'm not gonna lie it revolved around his piano player who was live and everybody else was on screen so you sort of got the impression that the piano player liked himself quite a lot um <laughs> but you know from a just a technical viewpoint, it held up. I enjoyed watching this sort of virtual gig. Um, and the fact that it was live streaming made it at least a little bit exciting. Um, uh, but yeah, um, it's a it's a very much a, a, a different thing for me than than going to a concert. But yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more of it moving forward. I think so. I, I agree with you. I don't want to change the subject, but just real quick, I was clicking through the site. Um, see, the reason why I said it, it wasn't working earlier, so I was clicking on things and nothing was happening. I had to open a new window. But anyways. And then you so, plugged your mouse in. So, <laughs> right, exactly. Um, I just realized they make some fuzz pedals. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hell yeah, guys. Let's talk about fuzz pedals. No, okay. Um, yeah, awesome. I never heard of those. That, that's amazing. And yeah, who is that again? Sorry. Uh, uh, pure, pure Salem. Salem. Yeah, uh, Rick was on the podcast. Oh boy, like round on the Tone Mob podcast around the time it first started, and uh, yeah, he he has a really interesting story, and uh, you know his guitars are his guitars are pretty interesting. Sometimes they're like a clone, and then sometimes he's resurrecting like some weird offbeat thing that I've never seen hmm. before. I will have to check him out. So, anyways, I interrupted you. Where were we going? You've with that? totally thrown my train of thought, Brian. So, you know, we were talking uh, about concerts outside, and I said, "Yeah, I think that's well." I, I was uh, the one that said, "I think this is the way things are going," 
And you were like, no, they're not. Things are completely going back to normal. I think if you take a step back, Richard, that's not how this is happening here. Yes, that's where we were. Sorry, sir. Sorry, I'm just distracted. (laughs) I I was looking for 335 uh, alternatives and I stumbled across the flat black Chris Cornell 335 that they did in like 2013 or so. With filtertrons in it, and it is like one of the sexiest things. I don't now know I remember why there was a link. I was like, why was I talking about the Bowie concert? It's because <laughs> they had a super group consisting of Corey Taylor, um, and uh, I think it was the maybe the bass player from the Foo Fighters, I forget, and uh, another famous dude who I've obviously completely spaced and forgotten about. Um, but uh, it was really interesting to watch. Um, Corey Taylor's a great vocalist. Um, I was absolutely blown away by him. Oh, and it had Ian Asprey of the Cult, and you're a cult fan, is that not right, yeah. Brian? Yeah. Um, and it, he he held it together pretty well. We'll be right back. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. That's awesome. Good dude. You know, Corey Taylor is a really good vocalist, and I like a lot of the stuff he's done. But I have to say, his latest solo stuff is, uh, it's rough. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's rough. It's hard for me to listen to. I'm like, oh, Corey, please, go back to pushing fingers into eyes and things. Like, that's what we need from you. (laughs) This is is hard for me to deal with. But he is an amazing performer. There's no, no doubt about that. I was so, I was speaking of that. I was actually thinking of uh, go- I've been listening to a lot of Government Mule lately, of course. And um, I was thinking about I don't know if you all have been to a Government Mule concert, but it, it's an experience. It's not quite like a normal concert. It's uh, it's a gathering of what, great like music. Juggalos. I was going to and... say Juggalos. <laughs> <laughs> did, did they offer you a funny drink called Fago and offer to do a makeup? Because that may not have been government mule you saw, my friend. Hmm. <laughs> now that you mention it. Woo woo. <laughs> <laughs> Much love to any of our Juggalo listeners. That's right. No, no I mean, but I was thinking like shows like that can't really happen anymore because it's not just about watching it. It's about it's about the party kind of around it, you know, the experience around it. And you lose that whenever it's just live on Facebook or wherever, YouTube or whatever. It's a totally different experience. Absolutely. But it is still an experience. I think that was the the positive I took, that there was something involving music that wasn't just listening to the radio that, that could do something interesting for me. But, yeah, I hear you, man. I'm, I mean, I've got three or four concerts booked this year, including... Uh, Queen with Adam Lambert in June, and I'm thinking, I don't really want to go and sit inside a 20,000-seat arena. Even in June, I don't see that being something I'm going to enjoy. It's so hard to know, you know, with with how things are going. And it's uh, it you know, makes me really wonder about the shows that I like to go to, because not only are you in a small building with lots of people, Generally, we're all running into each other and like jumping on top of each other and going crazy. And I'm like, man, that was literally one of my absolute favorite things to do was go to hardcore shows and punk rock shows and things. Is is that how you got banned from Disney World? I forget. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, that is because I uh, snuck over to California Adventure, had one too many beverages and decided to see what it was like to stand up on Splash Mountain. That's a different story. <laughs> That's too good. Hey, so I have a question. Uh, you know how I think it was last episode, maybe two episodes ago, we were talking about how because of the new stimulus package, the government in America had to talk about UFOs. Yes. Well, apparently they just did. That's it what is- I've I've seen. I've seen that. I didn't read through them because I was waiting for somebody more ambitious to tell me the highlights, but so far I haven't experienced that yet. 
I yeah, I I went and dug it out on Reddit because just like you, I needed a TLDR version. I, I couldn't. Well, wait there's through so it, many. So. How could you comb right. through all that? And and it seems that whoever released these documents uh, did so in the way that was most difficult to read. They're like yes. scans of faxes that have been redacted on a CD-ROM drive. So mm-hmm. you need a whole load of '90s technology even just to go there. But the one story I, that did stand out was uh, a Russian UFO encounter where, um, and it was written about by multiple sources, one of them quite official, one of them looked like it was the Russian equivalent of the National Enquirer. Um, (laughs) But it uh, basically said that 12, it was either 12 or 20 uh, Russian soldiers encountered a UFO. It came down, shone a beam at them and turned them all to stone. And... uh, Oh, really? Yeah, that that no. definitely piqued my interest. So Turn basically Easter stone. Island. Exactly Easter Island, but very stern-faced and scared Russian soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> where did these statues end up at? Like, where, that where is we classified them? information, Brian. Uh, I could tell you, is. but we, we would be taken off air immediately. So we, we don't get to know. That's been redacted. So we can't go find all these Russian equivalents of Han Solo and Carbonite. That's what you're trying to tell me. Right now. <laughs> that's that exactly so what cool. it is. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I, I feel like maybe they, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. This doesn't feel like it. I feel like the, this, there should have been more. False flag, maybe. They're I'm thinking that... Throwing uh, us off the scent. Yeah, exactly. They're like, we'll just put these out here to satisfy them, and then we'll <laughs> they'll forget about that whole 180-day thing when we have to release the rest of it. Just ignore those tall gray people walking past your building. Look at this old CD-ROM. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Makes no, me I mean, glad that I have my 2009 Mac Pro that I can still put CDs in. Oh, I, have, I still have a, a super drive. It's not been plugged in. Um, it does remind me, I saw a, a concept of the new iMacs coming out soon, which does have some audio value here. Tell uh, me with, with the M1 chips, they're going to be interesting. But going back to your 180-day disclosure, Bright, um, I mean, there are a lot of documents in there. A lot of senior people have been involved in a lot of investigations, is, is all I can fathom out from it now. But if nothing was going on at all... There seems to have been a lot of time spent on it. Right. Yeah. And apparently I saw one of the articles I read that some of the, I think some of the senators that had been um, had been kind of told of some situations with UFOs were deeply troubled by the, I think that was the word they used. I'm trying to remember. Were at least troubled by the uh, information that they were told about these UFOs, whatever that means. It was vague. Um, hmm. But I read that somewhere. Could be fake news. I don't know because who knows where that came from. But I read it somewhere. I'm trying All to I'm dig saying. through Reddit right now to try to find some some juicy tidbits. But um, <laughs> it looks like well, apparently, apparently there was an, some aliens, and there was a little kid that they that they noticed was really good at flying, and um, it looks like they raised this little kid until he got older. He's really good with this sword-like thing that lit up. And um, eventually, this little kid turned into what would be I've like heard this adult. story. And uh, he, he kind of became an evil person after he fell into, like, lava. And after something that— Something about the high ground? <laughs> something, yeah, something about the high ground. I don't remember. And he got, he got really angry. Uh, he killed his, his wife at the time. He was killing and, a lot of yinglings, which I mean, he, he was drinking he, a lot of beer. That's he, what I'm assuming. Right. And, yeah, and, and, and oddly, he, even though he was set in space and, and possibly a long, long time ago, he knew people from Scotland, which, you know, <laughs> which fair play. I mean, they get around, they travel to all, all reaches of the galaxy. The Scottish uh, are busy. They, they, are, yeah. they are hustlers, man. They are Absolutely. hustlers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, no, that's not Reddit, Brian. That's the script to Star Wars by George Lucas. Oh, sorry. Uh, Actually, probably no, that's the script to one of the prequels and we won't talk about those. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm going to send you guys a meme when we're done with this, and you're going to like it. Mm, love me mm-hmm. a good meme. Oh, yeah. Is it Very meme good. or is it meme? It's hmm? meme. Why do people say meme then? Um, I don't, I don't know. know. That kind of reminds me of that social media platform that everyone's going to that no one goes to. Wee wee. Oh, me- no. <laughs> no, that's that's what your child needs to do. And- <laughs> Huawei. <laughs> no, no, that's the that's the Chinese phone. I don't know. I don't they're know. the ones putting five Gs inside your uh, uh, the five Gs metal zones in your five Gs, and <laughs> finally they're putting the five Gs in your metal zones. <laughs> I take a five G metal zone. It could be cool. What about that gold <laughs> boss pedal I sent you guys? How about one of those? Yeah, how do you get your hands on something like that? Uh, you have to be the um, the biggest selling boss dealer in the world. Well, hmm. huh? I'm not. What do you think that would go for on Reverb? What was that? That was like in commemoration of the 10 millionth boss pedal sold or something. I can't remember now. Uh, well, if it was in the hands of a of, of Josh, probably uh, half a million dollars, right? Josh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Josh is selling some stuff apparently, or doing something. Josh Scott from JHS, by the way, so we're talking about. Yeah, he's got his uh his Klon uh, up for sale for uh, well, it was the first Klon ever actually sold. I think Finnegan still has the quote unquote number one, I believe. So. This is the first clone ever sold to the public, so, and it's uh, you can you can have it for just five hundred thousand dollars, and Josh will personally deliver it to your house. That's why I'm hanging on to all these prototype pedals you sent me, Brian. One day, <laughs> there's going to be gold in them. There transistors. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'd probably sell those for two or three hundred bucks. You know. By the way, speaking of reverb. Did uh did you guys see that the the King of Tones are now selling into the thousands of dollars? Really? Yeah, there was huh? at least someone posted about it. I think it was in the Guitar Pedals Facebook group, which is always accurate. Um, there was that's sarcasm. Um, someone had posted something about uh the King of Tone. It was a reverb auction, a reverb uh listing for like eleven hundred or twelve hundred bucks. Nothing. I mean, just it was the high gain version. Like I had that mod, but. It was just because it was available now, right? I mean, and what do they I retail at? Sort of four hundred, right? What is what is the King of Tone? I think it's like three fifty or three ninety nine yeah. or something like that. I'm, I'm honestly not sure what it is, brand new. I, I don't even know if it's that much. I think, well, I mean, it can be depending on what mods you get, but I think it starts at like two seventy five or something like that. I could Let's be wrong see. about that. Don't quote that, me. That's a nice I'm little mark up there, and I'm I'm guessing it's not analog Mike who's getting the extra profit. I don't think so. No, he's having, I mean, I don't want to say problems, but I mean, he's, he's, he's got so much, so many people on a list waiting to get theirs that I don't think he'd have the time to make an extra for (laughs) reverb. I'm trying. So I I love Mike. Great guy. Richard, you should contact Mike about web design. (laughs) But that's his thing. That's his thing is is, is he's got an analog website. I respect his analog website. I wouldn't want to change that, Brian. I couldn't make it more analog. It's great. It's it hurts me. It, you should. Uh, I, I can't I'll, find. I have to select all the text because I can't read it. <laughs> Ooh, I was looking for that post you were talking about, but I stumbled across another one. This is a somewhat breaking news. Oh. Uh, Guitar Center, this is a screenshot from some random guy's post, so, you know, take this with a grain of salt. I've not done any research to see if this is true. But Guitar Center, Times Square, one of their iconic locations, is closing. And they're moving all the inventory over to Union Square. So, that's kind of a big deal. That's, uh, That's one of their prime locations, if I I recall. I don't Time recall Square being a big... expensive real estate. Yeah, very. Like some of the most expensive real estate on the planet. I don't recall that there being a guitar center at Times Square. Oh yeah, there definitely was. I because I walked by it and I was like, I can't believe there's a guitar center in Times Square. I'm gonna go down this giant escalator and explore. I've definitely never found it. So uh, yeah, I, I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't know it was there till I walked by, but it was like. You know, they made it seem like it was kind of a big deal. 
But, but that's kind of like the Apple store out there. I don't know where it is. It's not Times Square, but it's it's right in the center of Fifth Avenue or somewhere like that. And it looks tiny on the outside. It's, you know, a bit like Doctor Who's TARDIS. You get inside it, walk down the stairs, and suddenly you're in, like, a huge building, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what were you going to say about the, the IMAX? You said it was related to sound in some way. Because I have a new... Uh, MacBook I'm trying Air to convince Brian way. to buy me one. That's all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blow my cover. Jeez, Blake, come on. Sorry, I didn't. Oh, I shouldn't. You didn't wink at me when you said it. <laughs> I did. I just used both eyes. Um, so <laughs> the new iMac will obviously have the M1 chip in it, right? But mm-hmm. they've designed it from the leak I've seen, uh, which is a very accurate leak source generally to be completely flat like the new Apple displays. It looks amazing. And I hear that the performance of those M1 chips is absolutely phenomenal. It's leaving, you know, much more well-specced and expensive uh, Macs in the dust. So for me, because I don't have the uh, the, the, the budget to go out and buy a 16-core Mac Pro, um, I wish I did, but uh, at the moment... Uh, I've got a daughter, so, so that's never going to happen. But yeah, uh, I think for the sort of home recording musician, that'll be a very, very nice machine because screens are great, very fast bus, very fast CPU. You can probably spec it out with as much RAM as you can uh, get your hands on. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting hold of one, uh, definitely. Mine's very old, so needs an upgrade. Yeah, I'm. I like mentioned before my 2009 Mac Pro. I'm still using it. That's what we are talking through right now. Is my 2009 Mac Solid Pro. Solid machine, man. It's uh, it's been great, honestly. It's it's. I could upgrade the hardware and and probably be okay, but the problem is it's starting to not be compatible with modern software, as you can imagine, for it being that old. But I am. I'm getting a, a brand new Mac MacBook Air with the M1. And a small RAM upgrade, and I'm I'm really gonna be. I've heard really good things about the M1 chip. I've heard some guys who had, you know, who ordered a really high spec MacBook earlier this year. Like, man, I didn't know these M1s were coming. Or I would have saved some money and just bought one of those. It can do everything I need to do, and it's cheaper and better performance in some cases. So I'm excited to try it out. Very much. I mean. I think it's going to be programs like Logic, Final Cut, you know, the Apple titles will be so optimized for this hardware that they should just absolutely fly. Um, I mean, I'm I'm on a 2014 iMac at the moment, and it was specced out at the time, but some of the graphics we're doing for some of the pedals uh, we're working on at the moment are, are quite complicated and, and involve lots of objects moving around. And sometimes I'll, like, move something, sit back drink some coffee, wait a bit longer, drink a bit more coffee, and then, ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's done. And I, I can't help thinking I would benefit from, from something that was made in the last couple of years, let alone six, seven years ago, right? But I, I'm holding out for the M1, definitely. It's a interesting breakthrough. Um, I will yeah, provide cool. a full review here in a, a month or so whenever that thing gets here. I look forward to it. Are, are you a Logic yeah. user? Uh, I'm a... GarageBand user. <laughs> well, really? so was I, but I, I got Logic this weekend because um, somebody thinks I should have it for testing <laughs> plugins, apparently. I don't know. I, I was getting on fine with uh, with GarageBand, but, but Jake was a little upset with me. So I, I got it in, and I haven't really explored it yet, um, but I look forward to doing that this week. I imagine that I will probably be... I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to use. Uh, whether I'm going to use Logic. There's a chance that for other things, I'll be using the full Adobe suite at some point. I know I'm going to be using Illustrator for sure because I'm going to be running this laser cutter with this laptop. So Amazing. Do, do you use Illustrator already? Uh, no, I don't. That is some learning curve, my friend. I'm not looking forward to it, honestly, okay. but I don't really have a choice. Well, <laughs> Why are you cutting lasers? Huh? Why am I cutting lasers? I'm laser yeah, remember, cutting. Remember that story about the boy in space? That's Blake. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Making your, your uh, little lightsaber thingies, huh? Yeah. Right. So, so what are you laser cutting? So Yeah, I've got a laser cutter in, and I am experimenting with, uh, well, lots of different things, but the primary thing is uh, is actually picks. 
So oh, cool. Amazing. I'm playing around with that. And I mean, I'm very, very, very novice. So I still have no idea what I'm doing, but um, I think I'll get there. I'm, I'm, I just uh, need to sit some time with, uh, with illustrator and more time uh, experimenting with the laser and, and see what I can do. So picks then pick guards. You got to do pick guards, right? Pick guards are do pick guards would probably be a little bit easier in some ways, depending on exactly how right, you're doing. Right, because they're just kind of flat. Whereas uh, I'm guessing picks are three dimensional. Well, yes, exactly. So I mean, you could do like a flat like Delrin pick relatively easy. There's not yeah. a lot of angles to consider there. But once you start getting thicker picks that have bevels and stuff, then it yeah. gets a little bit trickier. So yeah, can you can That's you put the little cool. nubs on them? Mm-hmm. You know the little grippies. Yeah, I could put a little grippy on there. Which is kind of cool. It's kind of mm. cool that, that this thing has the ability to do that. I don't know why Brian's getting off on the idea of grippy nubs, but I'm mm. suspecting gotta, caffeine gotta look, has something. Got to look at the camera. See, I got my little. I'm holding <laughs> oh. my uh, my little grippy scared, pick man. up. Yeah, <laughs> the listeners can't see that, Brian. The listeners can't see that, but. <laughs> For the listener's benefit, it is a plectrum covered in stipples. <laughs> Brian's just been, even when he's not talking, he's just sitting there smiling. He's so caffeinated right now. He's so happy. <laughs> uh, all jokes aside, Blake, 100% uh, if you need any help with uh, Adobe stuff, that has been my bread and butter for 20-odd years. So uh, I'll probably need a lot of help with Illustrator. I have literally no idea and, what I'm doing. But and I we'll will make uh, some custom picks. I like yeah, yeah, I can see some Wampler picks. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. it could, it's a it's been fun. I've made some. I have successfully made some picks. So they did you buy picks. the laser cutter? Uh yeah, yeah. We we bought it here. Yeah, bought it in December, and did it arrived it a, a couple weeks ago. Was was the guy who sold it to you sat in a chair stroking a white cat? I, I've, been, <laughs> I've been expecting you, Mister Wyland. <laughs> You know what? He was. It's so weird. How did you know? You met this man before? Did he have a small version of himself and demand $1 billion for it? Well, he actually only asked for $1 million. uh, Otherwise, he was going to blow up the world. And I was like, well, I'm pretty sure we can figure that out. Like, (laughs) Right. We just printed $2 trillion. What's a million? You know, we'll we'll find it. We'll do that. $1 million. Mm -hmm. You got it. (laughs) Very cool, Blake. All right. Thanks for listening to the Chasing Tone podcast. As always, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can email podcast at wamplerpedals.com. That goes straight to me. Email Blake, email info at tonemob.com. And Richard is richard at wamplerpedals.com. If you like this podcast, make sure to share it with your friends and others who might like it. If you'd like to show your support for the show, the simplest and free way to do that is just simply to share this with a friend. Uh, Maybe leave a review and a rating wherever you normally get your podcasts. Make sure to check out Blake's podcast called The Tone Mob. Uh, you can It's a great one as well. And make sure to check out Wampler Pedals, that's our website, for blogs, videos, and of course, our little toneful gadgets, our little pedals and, and amplifier. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.